Hello, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour, and we're here with Reinvent Yourself. And I am crazy to to introduce you to, this is probably the ultimate lifelong learner that I have ever met. Her name is Laura Dinsmore, and she has a nutrition health coach, gut health coach, um, from the inst- degree from the Institute for in- Integrative Nutrition. She has, <laughs> she has, she's studied, she's not an MD, but she's done all the studies from Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She's done all the studies and has a business of management degree from Harvard. She went to Case Western Reserve University. She's also an addiction studies counselor from Hazleton. She is the ultimate, ultimate lifelong learner. And she also has this amazing story about what happens when you're a young mom with a daughter who's two and your husband is killed by a drunk driver and your whole plans for your life go out the window. And how do you survive? And how do you turn your life around? And how do you move forward? And I think this has all kinds of implications for anyone going through a transition. How do you make it? And she's just this incredible uber optimist, she will tell you. And we just have a wonderful inspiration, inspirational discussion coming up. And she she took that part of her life and turned it completely around and has several businesses she runs that I want you to hear all about and how she did it and how she visualized everything. So I can't wait to bring to you the wonderful Laura Dinsmore. I want to welcome the wonderful Laura Dinsmore. Laura, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for asking. Oh, I'm so glad we finally tracked you down. You and I had such a lovely conversation. Gosh, it was a couple of months ago. And you're such an extraordinary reinventor that I'm thrilled that I had the opportunity to coax you on to reinvent yourself, our podcast about women reinventing themselves. So let's talk a little bit about your background and where you come from. And how did you get started? And then we'll talk about your reinvention. Where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in the Midwest. I was actually born in Pennsylvania, but then my family, when I was at a very young age, moved to northeastern Ohio along Lake Erie. Oh, and wow. And I, I lived there for most of my life. Wow. And what did you go to school for? Did you have plans of what you might be? I had lots of visions. I think um, one, of the, one of the things I've always wanted to be was... Uh, I wanted to have my own company. I wanted to be the founder of a company. And the other thing was I wanted to live by the ocean. You know, we lived uh, by Lake Erie, which is wonderful, one of the great lakes, and it was great. But I always had this yearning for being by the ocean. So I started at a very young age visualizing myself, you know, being my own boss and, um, and living by the ocean. So those are two things that I aspire to and have actually happened. So it's very it's, it's full circle. It's kind of nice. Were your parents entrepreneurs? How would you know that you wanted to own your own business? But that's very unusual, isn't it, as, as a, in a young age? Yes. Well, when I was four, I was reading this book called Dr. Dan the Bandage Man. And I thought, well, at that age, I wanted to be a pediatrician. But then um, as I observed my life and my family and interacted with folks, I realized that you know 
becoming a doctor might take a lot of schooling. And I thought, why don't I just skip to the step and own my own practice? So then I started visualizing myself, maybe owning my own practice. Maybe I'd stick with children, but maybe I would branch out. And I, as I saw other people who were doing their jobs, I realized that they worked really hard and long hours. And I didn't always see a smile on their face. So I figured, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe I could do something different. Maybe I could start something that would really fuel my passions and have a happy face. Maybe I would enjoy my life a little more. But of course, you know, the girls who at a young age have all these dreams, it gets sort of um, tapped out of you because, you know, you're in a real world where girls in my generation didn't have all those opportunities that, that women today, young girls today have. So I, I kept it in the back burner. I kept always thinking about it, but I lived the life and I went to school. Um, what you know, did you I, study? What did you study in college? I studied just about everything I could possibly study. Um, I went to school thinking that I would do something in medicine, but then I got interested in law and then I got interested in psychology. So I had a whole list of things that I really loved doing and pr pr proceeded to do various things like that and eventually ended up studying business. I thought I could take everything that I had and loved and put it into a business. But you know how when you have these great plans and you think, wow, I really know how to do my life and you have the confidence to do it and then the actual life reality sort of happens to you. And that's sort of how my story began. Um, so I, I ended up um, giving you a little summary is I, I ended up reinventing myself from being a single mom with three jobs to a founder and CEO of a company that supports 100 employees at locations throughout the United States. So, you know, how I became a single mom was was tragic. Um, yeah, ta let's talk about that. So just, just to back up a bit, did you actually go to school for medicine and law or you're, you were just dabbling in it and then you came out with a BA or what did you do? I did. I went to school for, for, um, for medicine. I did undergrad in medicine and got jobs in the nursing field and got jobs in hemodialysis, running clinics, and then the management of healthcare. Um, in graduate school, I went to law school and decided that, I, that law was good, but I really wanted something more. And I really liked the psychology of law. So I entered into a graduate program where uh, I was able then uh, to um, do psychological testing to adult criminal offenders, which was extremely interesting, but a little off the path of what I intended to do. But it was it was interesting. So I hung in I hung in for a while, and that's where a lot of things were becoming computerized. I really sound like I'm from the dark ages here. But we all do. Don't worry. It's a, unique, it's a unique podcast. It's okay. Okay, great. So you know, I so I was working at a college that I was teaching at actually as well, um, and I'm doing my my other you know adult criminal offender you know psychological testing, and. Um, and it just was, it was really very interesting. So I was, even though that was my job to meet with these people that really had a skewed idea of, of what their life should be and did all kinds of terrible things. And I had to be face to face with them every day, oh um, you know, which was, was never in my plan. I didn't quite, I don't quite how I evolved to that, but it was, it was a learning experience. 
And I really learned to listen. And then by doing the psychological evaluations, the MMPIs and tests like that, I really got to understand a little bit about how these people became who they who they became. And it was it was interesting and also very, very um, difficult to be around long term because it was depressing. I you know, you, you'd meet people that did terrible things and didn't have a conscience. So, um, you know, it was really it, it was it was bone chilling at times. And I. I How long did you do that for? I did that for four years. I did oh, wow. Four okay. years. Yeah. It was it was interesting and I was growing, but I started thinking that I'm way off the path. You know, I want to get back to my life. So I, I, I started focusing and vision, visioning what I really, really wanted to do. I started to get back on track a little bit. And, um, and then things started happening uh, where I was doing things that I, I liked a lot better <laughs> than mm -hmm. that, which was mm -hmm. great. And talk about being a mom and talk about what happened to you. Yes. Well, I became a single mom when my husband, um, who was in the Vietnam War, he had finished college and he was he volunteered to be in um, to go to Vietnam, and he was a prisoner of war. He came back from Vietnam, um, and we were starting our life again. And um, he was killed by a drunk driver. Oh, so how long after that? How long were you married? Um, so, let me think. I was probably about six years. Oh, wow. Okay. And how old was your baby when he passed two. away? Two. Two. Oh, yeah, my God. Two. Okay. So suddenly I was the sole supporter of my two-year-old daughter and myself. And uh, and we even had all this college debt we were trying to be, pay back. So it was really shocking. You know, I just was sort of sucked out of the life I thought I was going to have. Wow. Um, and, and my life turned. My life turned where then I had to think about, okay, now you are a single mom. You you're you've got to stay in the Midwest. You've got to stay where your daughter knows people. If you get hit by a bus, and and I knew by then that anything could happen. You know, right. the unthinkable happened to me, right. and it could happen any other time. So I needed to plan in a different way. You know, I always thought that I would live forever. I'd have all these opportunities. Right. I'd be able to experience everything and everything I anything and everything I wanted. But then it it changed. So then I I knew that I my daughter needed to grow up where we had family and friends, and she needed to really have great relationships with people. And I really started teaching her how to be as independent as possible. So uh, that was my journey for many years. We stayed in the in the Midwest until she was of college age, and then um, we made another reinvention. We both decided that my love is New England. And we both decided to move to New England. And uh, she went to college in, in Boston. And uh, I, not knowing anyone, got a job at a Fortune 500 company and uh, managed their occupational environmental health uh, program. They, the certain companies, you need to make sure all your employees are healthy. And, and there, there's uh, OSHA, the Occupational right. Safety and Health Administration, has guidelines when anybody works around potential hazards like electricity, chemicals, radiation, you have to have these safeguards in place. And I found that to be really very interesting. And um, I thought, you know, this is really good because you could teach people how not to get hurt and you could teach people how to how to be healthy. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's, that's great. So I was in preventative medicine um, by accident. And I loved it. Um, so from there, I just blossomed. 
things just sort of fell in place in, in my life. Uh, my company was really good about mentoring programs, so I was able to go to other companies and mentor other folks who wanted to get into the spirit of prevention, helping their employees stay healthy and safe and do well-being programs, which, you know, when I first started um, in the mid-80s, the well-being programs were really not something that people took. You know, everything was, should back up a bit, everything was like, if something happens, you take care of it, you know, a, a right. band, band-aid approach. And yes everything was to maintain health and i kept saying right. why can't we why can't we just strive for better health you know right. and prevent needing a band-aid right. and prevent needing to go to a physician you, you know for other than checkups or immunizations right and in um it was just a new concept but i think people were kind of getting the idea that yeah you know what because if somebody has a situation Getting them better takes forever, mm -hmm. um, and and I and I really started loving this consulting part that my company was helping me develop, mm -hmm. um, and I saw that the light bulbs go off in people's eyes where they didn't know there was another way other than putting band aids on problems, mm -hmm. and it just kind of fueled me. You know, it just I loved it, and I worked incredible hours just to be able to help people. Sometimes it was you know way beyond what my company was was asking me to do. Um, and I decided that around 1990 that I, I really loved doing this piece better. Mm -hmm. So I started working less hours at my company and more hours in consulting and really found it very, very uh, rewarding. Mm -hmm. And then one night I was at a uh, neighborhood party and one of the one of my neighbors was an attorney and I was telling him about oh I was so excited about what I'm doing and he said so are you incorporated and I go well, I don't even have a company he goes well if you you need to be incorporated he said you're going to need employees soon because you can't always do all this consulting yourself and I said I have to have a company and I have to have <laughs> and I have to be incorporated mm -hmm. well I always wanted to have a company it was oh, like, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so I was like okay so this dream was coming true and it, it was all just by accident, basically. Can I ask, Laura, about how old were you at this point when you're finally getting to your own company? Yes, I was I was midlife. Midlife. Okay. Do you want the exact age? I'm happy to share it with you. No, midlife is fine. We know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was definitely a little bit north of 50. Uh -huh. and, um, and it was exciting. And my company was born. It just It just happened. Oh, wow. That's amazing. But you talk about um, envisioning a lot. You talk about seeing things there and visualizing. There are a lot of people, and I consider this a little woo-woo, um, but some people don't, who say they just see it and they they envision it and it happens. Is, is Are you woo-woo like that? Does that happen for you or... You know, it does. And I never knew, I, I never realized that that was happening to me. Mm -hmm. But I, I sometimes would just think in my head and what I wanted, and then I would see myself doing it. And wow. then without any, you know, anything else that I'm doing, it just would happen to me. And I just thought it was, oh, this is, you know, this, these things happen. That's just what, how the world works. And um, you know, I, there might be some, something to that. I mean, I, I visualize everything. In fact, even as part of my meditation practice, I've learned to really, really narrow down what I want and visualize every single 
piece of what I want and just throw it out there and then just center so, myself, become calm and let it go. So you literally, do you think that works for everybody? Do you think it just works for you? Do you think there's a select group of people? Do you think, how does that happen? Can other people just, I mean, if I start in my meditations visualizing myself having, you know, 10,000 members of Covey Club. <laughs> yes. And, 10 I mean, million. <laughs> right. 10 million. Does, I mean, can it, do, is it that simple or is, what do you think is going on there? Or do you think it's just a, a way of keeping yourself straight? I mean, do you really just say, here I am sitting in my office, here I am taking phone calls from a million people here, or how does it work? Because I'm really interested. I mean, if, if it really works, and I've heard a lot of people say this, but I don't really know what it means. I know I, I hear what you're saying. And I I I not I have not surveyed anyone else, but here's what I know about myself. Okay. I'm a very optimistic person. I, I am almost almost so optimistic that it could be pouring rain on me and I will say, Oh, isn't it lovely? You know, there's right. going to be a rainbow. I mean, I, right. I'm just that optimistic and, and I flow with a lot of things and I, I, I really um, am open to things. And I think where I've started my businesses and become this entrepreneur that I always thought I could be uh, was, is by just believing in myself and just seeing myself doing it. Now, if this is something that happens and I've, I've read, you know, I've read people say, you know, your visualization is everything. And I know in right. sports, my daughter was um, was in gymnastics and her coach was from a, a local college. And he would say to her, see yourself doing the trick before you do it. Take a deep breath, a long exhale and just do it. You become the trick, you know, and that mm. sort of stuck with mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And and I sort of live my life that way where I I try really hard to see the good things, you know, and it even sort of connects to how I think, you know, we all have negative self-talk, you know, mm -hmm. our, we're, we're sort of programmed biologically to have negative self-talk. That's right. That's but, right. But if you, well, I can say, but for me, when I hear myself say these negative things to myself, I flip it. I hmm. flip it to something positive. And then I take it one step uh, more by, by, flipping it and then seeing what I want to happen instead occur to me and things seem to work out pretty well. I mean, I believe me, I've, I've fallen on my face so many times and gotten up and, you know, it's been okay. I mean, I, um, <laughs> you know, I've had I've, lots of bumps al along the way for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, I think by being optimistic and letting yourself be sad when you're sad, but mm -hmm. trying to flip your negative thoughts and then visualizing where you could be really worked for me. And I, you know, I think it's worked for other people too. Yes. Um, it's a, it's a good, good place to start. I mean, I, I think, um, I think when, when I, you know, like when I think about the, all the barriers and setbacks that I've had in my life, mm -hmm. uh, my positive outlook really got me through them. I mean, I've had some really, really tough times and um, it, things just seem to turn around. I mean, it could have gone south. It could have gone the other way. Right. Um, and I, and I, I have, like, for example, once after I started my, my company, a couple of things happened to me. You know, I was like probably within two years of starting my company. And one of the, the 
other companies that I used to refer some of my clients to for medical care was going out of business. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my God, now what am I going to do? Because mm -hmm. I, I knew the physician there who was mm -hmm. a personal friend and I trusted him. And now I mm -hmm. had this whole population north of Boston mm -hmm. who had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, how, what am I going to do with the, with this clients? Mm -hmm. um, so out of this negative thing, um, my friend said, well, why don't you take us over? We, we mm. can't, can't make it financially, but maybe you can. So mm -hmm. within two years of starting my own company, I took on a failed business. Wow. So and in every, two years. Okay. Yeah. And everybody was saying to me, are you crazy? Okay. You know, they can't, this is a big organization. This is a well-known organization with, you know, really impressive people and they can't <laughs> make it. And what are you doing? What are you doing? Okay. I is, and is, I thought the same thing. What am I doing? <laughs> but you did it. Well, you know, I, I did it because of that optimistic thought. Well, somebody's got to do it. There's all these people out here that really should have excellent care. And if we just let this company not do this anymore, where are they going to go? I, I think I have to give it a go. And maybe I won't succeed. But, you know, if I don't try, I've already failed. So I... You know, I was, oh, I was a really challenging time because I was knocking on everybody's doors and trying to get all this support and it worked out. It was, talk, it was talk a little bit, Laura, about what your company is. Is the company that you're running now, which is tremendously successful. Talk a little bit about it. And is it this company that you took over or is, or is it some other derivation? It's a combination. So after I left my, my corporate job, I um, went into the consult, cult, consulting business and started my company as a consulting company, teaching right. corporations um, how to make sure their employees were healthy and safe. And, you know, what were their, their um, um, opportunities? You know, what, the, what can they do for their employees to help make this happen? What kind of training? What, what kind of um, connections through benefits and health care that they needed to have? And so that, that was my basically my bread and butter. And along with that, I did a lot of training, like in ergonomics, teaching people how to do their job safely, you know, using their body mechanics uh, appropriately so that they didn't have, you know, carpal tunnel or back injuries right. or, or, you know, uh, fatal accidents. And, and so the consulting arm was strong and I was teaching clients how to connect with occupational health providers in their area of, the, of business. And so when I took over this other business, which was a freestanding occupational health center, um, that became another business unit. And then I had to develop that. And, and because it was a freestanding facility, my current clients who were all over the place didn't necessarily funnel through there. Only the, only the north of Boston folks and some of the greater Boston clients of mine would be able to use this facility. So I had to do sales and marketing to grow it as a, as a, a, a business unit on its own. Which, which was challenging, but it's really good. I mean, we're in our 22nd year of business and uh, we're thrilled with how everything's worked out. And we've been able to use that as a training center uh, for a lot of our, our teams that go out to corporations to, or who are embedded to help them establish their employee health programs, their occupational environmental medicine programs, their medical surveillance programs, um, coordinating with benefits and healthcare. I branched out in two other areas. I have a research arm now that works with corporations um, where the, the researchers, the pharmaceutical corporations and the researchers who want to make the best um, 
new um, oncology drug or, or find a cure for the Zika virus or work with vaccines and diagnostics to make sure we can keep people healthy and to prevent disease. And this research donor program really helps the researchers to be able to have blood and bodily fluid for their research projects. Um, and we take care of everything, the keeping the, um, the confidentiality of the, of the human donors, mm -hmm. following the, the, um, the regulations that are set out for human, human uh, donor um, donations to research to make sure mm -hmm. that everything is, is above board and that the researchers are in a, aware of what, I mean, of the, um, the donors are aware of the research projects that they are participating in. Mm -hmm. And we make sure that we protect all of their information. And uh, that's been a great business. The other business that has stemmed um, from what I do with corporations is we do telehealth. So we have the uh, quadrant 365, where we have health coaches, nurses, and physicians who are on call for corporations whenever they may need medical care. So anytime, anytime a medicine intersects with the workplace, we have somebody available to help them. Wow. So you have three companies essentially yes. now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And they all they all started basically by accident. Okay. Uh, but but there there are three there are three companies that uh, work together uh, work together very well. So talk about because you're so optimistic and positive. We all know that there are tough times as well when things aren't going so well. And um, how do you get through those other than just being optimistic? I mean, there because there there are plenty of foolish optimists out there. So how do you make sure you're not a foolish optimist following something, your reinvention off a cliff? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I had um, I had a business partner, a horrible business partner. I really thought that in order to do my company right, I really needed to have a yin and a yang. Yes. Sort of, and and also somebody to help pick up the slack because you can't be a one person show no. all the time, especially as you're aging and you have your own family and your, mm -hmm. your kids are going to college. And mm -hmm. it just was a little bit much. And I felt I found myself working sixteen to eighteen hours a day. And I thought, you know a business partner might be a really good thing. Well, mm -hmm. it didn't work out for me. And they were the worst three years of my life. Mm. Uh, it was horrible because my business partner, as bad as she was, was a good person inside. Yeah. And trying to separate my business from her grasp was very difficult. We mm. went to court you know, it, it was like having a divorce. Um, yeah. Really, I, I literally was hanging on by my fingernails trying to keep up with all the work required to keep my business going and putting a wall between what was happening internally with my company from having it being seen on the outside because of my clients and customers. I wanted right. them to feel secure that we could right. still do the job we were out to do. But emotionally, I was a wreck. Um, so you... So you you've you've lived with a bad. I mean, plenty of people pick the wrong partner and and find out, you know, you think it's going to be great going in, and you it turns out that it's not what you thought. And was it a friend or was it somebody you met through business? And it was a person that I I knew as an acquaintance, and mm -hmm. and and um, I really liked her. Personally, mm -hmm. we became. We weren't close friends, but I, I knew of her. I knew she was very bright and very talented. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I knew that she was interested in doing something in a partnering way. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her skill set, which was great because uh, I'm a real hands-on person. Mm -hmm. you know, if something needs to be done and if somebody else can do it, I'm sure I can learn it. I mean, mm -hmm. how, bad, how hard could it be? And mm -hmm. she's a person who was more in a box. You mm -hmm. know, she, she had. She also had a, an MBA that looked at, you know, how do you run businesses, and she mm -hmm. had all that kind of thing that she was really great at. And mm -hmm. I, you know what? Let her overlook the financial piece of this, and let me just go my entrepreneurial, do my entrepreneurial thing. Mm -hmm. And and um, it it ended. It was really strange because I I had this blind faith in her, like she could mm -hmm. go wrong. I trust mm -hmm. her with my life. We all make that mistake. I think a lot of us make that mistake. Yeah, yeah. And and my husband and my friends were telling me these things and I was saying, you know, I hear what you're saying. I just don't understand why you would say that. She's such a good person. <laughs> and uh -huh. I saw it. I was the, I think I was a, a maybe the last person that got it. Mm -hmm. I was like just blind faith, loyal too loyal, too optimistic. I've seen yeah. that before. Yeah, I can so see that before. My optimism did me in. Yes, um, I've seen that. Yeah. What What else has been a struggle for you? Because um, your companies do very, very well. And now have you stepped back a bit? Are you in 16 hours a day still? Are you, what's your, what's your prognosis? And how do you change your life as you get to be a little older. Sure. Well, well, uh, I still work a lot, but I I find that the work I do now is more of a passion project mm -hmm. because I'm 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 seeing uh, the company thrive and do well, and I'm invested into the employees that have been with me for so long, and I I really love working with them, getting my hands into the mix a little bit more. And really helping them develop them so that they become a stronger infrastructure to my company. Mm -hmm. And eventually, uh, I still have one more huge project that I want to do um, mm -hmm. before I, I sort of start backing off from some of the things that I like. And and once I get that project off and running, um, and I think then I'll 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 really enjoy stepping back and seeing how everybody else is doing my my dream you know, mm -hmm. and, and bringing everything to life. And um, I just want to make sure that the environment that, of the, all the people that I work with is just as, as the best it could possibly be based on respect. Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and, and so I want to make sure that culture happens because a lot of times we work with clients, cl corporations that their culture clashes with ours. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that if any of our employees are put into that position, I'm there to help them learn how to deal with conflicts and to mm -hmm. resolve conflicts in a positive way. Um, mm -hmm. The very best and make it a win-win and what that looks like. So I, I think I like being uh, the coach, the mentor, the guiding person, trying to put teams together and helping them grow together. And then eventually I think that I, I'll keep stepping back a little bit more, but still being involved with it and just watching it blossom. What was the toughest thing about reinventing yourself from being a single mom on this one direction and then having to figure out how to be a business person? What was the, what do you think was the biggest learning point or the biggest pivoting point? Because there are people listening who might 
be finding themselves suddenly widowed or divorced or, you know, these kind of unexpected things. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest learning from that? Well, it was really, uh, I think when my husband was killed by a drunk driver, uh, my, I was young. Um, my life just stopped and I didn't think there could be life after that. Yet I had all this responsibility. I was a mom of a two-year-old. Like you moms don't quit. <laughs> you just mm -hmm. keep going. And I found myself going through all of the motions and trying to manage how sad I felt by um, numbing myself, you know, by using my, the, my brain from uh, visualizing possibilities to reversing that and not letting myself feel what's happening in the moment so that mm -hmm. I can get through. And then trying to come out of that and realizing that I was, I had all this responsibility. I had law school debts. I had other college debts. I had my, my child, uh, well-being. I, she was in a public school when she first started school and they went to an uh, open classroom where they, they learned by reading these, um, these, uh, these different cards and then taking tests by looking at these cards. It was like really um, a different way of, of teaching. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to give her a good education. How am I going to make that happen? I'm working three jobs, you know, and this trying to keep, keep hanging in there. And I finally did find a, a great private school for my daughter. She did get a good education. And that was mm -hmm. the one gift I wanted to give her. And then I had to deal with, okay, now here you are juggling all these things and you're not actually being able to um, manage your life. So I think the, the, the struggle was for me to actually deal with my loss and yet um, try to do something positive in moving forward. And I think it was just don't look back, you know. Uh, I think I just, in reinventing myself, I just had to to just say and it's absolutely necessary for my survival to just keep moving forward. And that's what I did. But it was really tough. And do you think that that maybe that responsibility is what kept you moving forward? Do you think if you hadn't had another responsibility, you might have handled it poorly? And yeah, do you yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. You know, I think I think the idea that um my child um, was not going to have a father. It was extremely sad for me because I didn't have a father either. At ah. Three on. And the one thing that I always would look at and when, when families were together, that there was a father and a mother. In my household, I had uh, my mom and my grandparents who loved me so much right. and had a wonderful life. But I always wondered what it would be like. And, and I never really thought I wouldn't have a husband with mm -hmm. my children. But then when it happened to me, I flashed back to the sadness I felt sometimes. And then through my daughter's eyes, as she was growing, like being three and four years old, living in our neighborhood, and when the dads came home, mm -hmm. the children would run to them, and my heart would break. And she would stand there, because the children would leave the where they were playing and just run to their dads. Oh. And she'd be standing there by herself with her hands to her side, just kind of looking. And I, and I could totally connect with that feeling of, oh my gosh, I know what that's like. I wanted to go grab her and hug her and kiss her and say everything would be okay. And I, I, everything was going to be okay, but 
I, you know, I just, I, I did, I went and I hugged her and I said, Hey, let's go do, let's go do this. And so we would go do our, what, what we typically did, the mom and mom and daughter kind of thing. And we had a good time, but that sadness was there. And that was very, very hard. But you know, what happened to me when I, when I moved to, to the Boston area, I met a wonderful human being and I thought I would never be able to partner with anyone again. But I, I met someone that I've been with. We've been together. It'll be 30 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And my daughter does have a father, and he is like the best father ever. Oh, how um, wonderful. Yeah. It really, it, really, it really works out really well now. And I'm, I'm so grateful. And I'm so appreciative. So in closing, because we're at the end of our time here, what two or three tips would you give somebody who is trying to reinvent themselves. And obviously one of your things would be visualization, I suppose. And, and yours is not any kind of particular visualization. It's your own kind of thing. You didn't go study it anywhere, right? No, I didn't at all. It was, it was, um, it was just maybe something that I fell into. Okay. And it worked. I can give one quick example is um, one time my daughter and I, who we had very little money, we sharing TV dinners because that's all we could afford at times. And I, I realized we were out of toothpaste and I was like, oh no, I just need some toothpaste, you know, and we're, we're going paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> oh and my I God. thought, oh no. And as I'm thinking this, I'm thinking, I got to get toothpaste. I go to my mailbox and guess what was in the mail? A uh, sample toothpaste. No way. That is... Okay. Yes. This is getting creepy. <laughs> okay. And, and okay. So I, I actually, this was sort of a teaching moment to me as I smiled and said, you know what, you know, chill out. Life is too serious to, to, our life is too important to be, take it so seriously. So I started like chilling out with all the needs I didn't, couldn't meet and start saying, looking, flipping it and seeing the things that I could. So I would definitely say, to be as optimistic as you as you want, but looking at your like to have a vision, but like reinvent your vision. So when you're thinking mm. about where you want to be, then make that into a vision that you can see yourself there, and then you can see yourself doing that, and keep that visualization up for as long as you need to until it becomes real for you. Mm. And I I think that that might be something that may work. It worked for me. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. I'm not, I don't teach it or anything. I just live it. Okay. Um, but I also am very optimistic. And I think despite the barriers and setbacks, you know, we wake up every day uh, being involved in, in everything that life has to give. But with a positive outlook, I think you can navigate these barriers and setbacks a little bit easier. Right. Um, I think that's that's really good. And, you know, I, I uh, look back and I know I'm a risk taker. Part of what you need to do is to really think about your risk and think them through, of course, and know the pros and cons. But don't be afraid to fail. It's okay. You can get up again. It, it's been done years and years where people have fallen and, and taken risk and succeeded. Um, and, and basically, I think that's uh, that's one of my biggest, biggest tips. And, you know, I think that all of us have to understand the capacity we have to take risks and then try to live up to that capacity. Great. Well, Laura, thank you. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to jump off this call and then start envisioning the million 
million people coming into Covey Club because of this discussion. Millions and so, millions. Millions and millions. Okay, I'm going too small. So thank you so much. What a wonderful story. And it's so wonderful to hear how you turned your life around from what happened to you. And thank you for being so open and honest about your own issues with having a father. It's really very tender and sweet. And thank you so much for being part of the inspiration um, that is this podcast. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about my reintervention. I, I just, I think that's a brilliant idea. Way to go, Leslie. It's really brilliant. So thank you, everybody, for being here on Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. I hope that if you enjoyed this podcast and found it inspirational, that you will give us some stars and rate us so that everybody else can find us, too. That's the only way that people find us is through the ratings. And I hope that you enjoyed listening to Laura's story and that you will join us again on this podcast to be inspired and hear how people can reinvent themselves from any direction at any time in any way possible. If they can do it, you can do it. We all have a second or third act in us and good luck with yours. Take care.